Thanks for checking in on this podcast. You are about to hear an inspirational teaching from Caris Ministries. If God has used this ministry to bless you in any way, please take a moment and write to us at amenatcaris.org. We are always inspired and blessed to hear how God is blessing people all over the world through what he is doing here at Caris. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at caris.org so we can continue making podcasts such as this available free of charge. Bread of heaven, feed us till we want no more. Lord, reveal yourself in the pages of scriptures to us. Let us hear from you. Let us have an encounter with you. Let us, our lives not be the same again after this morning. Holy Spirit, reveal Jesus to us. We want to hear your word. Let the atmosphere, the prophetic atmosphere, impact on our lives after here. Yeah. We thank you in Jesus' name. And all say, Amen. amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Someone say, Amen. amen. The whole week I was praying and I was preparing to pick it up from where I stopped and move towards running the race. But as I was in, in prayer this morning, preparing, fellowship with God, I knew what I was coming to. Suddenly, the, the Lord interrupted and gave me to come and teach on the prophetic ministry. And then the Lord showed me how we, are, we have entered a very strong prophetic season. About 90 about 90% of the testimonies to, we heard today was, and God's servant said, and I connected. And when he declared, I connected. When he, see, it, there is something about prophetic ministry and the prophetic word that if you lose sight of it, you end up becoming a victim. But no one here will be a victim in life. Amen. I said no one here will be a victim in life. Amen. Joshua 21, 45. Let's read it out loud from the screen. With the Lord has spoken to the house of Israel. All came to me. Now, if you believe that, listen, if you believe that you have a stake in this, you have a testimony in this, then read it out very loud. Let's go. Not a word fail of any good thing which God has spoken to the house of Israel. All came to pass. Shout, all came to pass. If you are believing it to come to pass, shall all came to pass. Shall mother all came to pass. Shout hallelujah. Not a word failed of any good. The good things God spoke concerning Israel said not one of them, one word failed. All came to pass. All came to pass. We have entered a very serious prophetic season as a church. We've entered a very profound prophetic, prophetic season such that there are strange things that are about to happen. Strange favors. Last week, as I stood here, before I preached, the Lord gave me that text. It just wasn't something I premeditated uh, in Psalm that God will arise to have mercy on Zion. See, mercy preceded the favor for the set time to favor. People were cashing in, into it. And this testimony, this week, that the past week, the testimonies are speaking for themselves. She said that I was not, they were, it's likely I'll be struck from the, permanently from the nursing field or I will be restored with conditions 
But I went and favor spoke on my behalf. Mercy spoke and favor showed up. I see you having a testimony of favor. I see you having a testimony of favor in the mighty name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Um, you see, prophetic words come to unfold divine plans. It comes to unfold divine plans. So, um, oh, it, it, it's, it's God has something to do. A prophetic word will come so that it can give us a perspective of which direction we should be looking at. What we should be expecting. Where we should be looking at. Which direction we should be focusing on. A prophetic word comes to help us stay in sync with heaven so that we will not be at the mercy of situations on earth. The Bible talks about um, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3, the purpose of prophecies. Okay, The purpose of prophesying. It says that, but he who prophesies speaks what? Edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. So prophecy is for the benefit of men, not the benefit of God. So it speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort. Edification is building people up. Prophetic words come to build you up, strengthen you. You, you, you don't live here weak. When you, a prophetic word comes to you, suddenly it begins to, it comes to build you. You become fortified in whatever situation you may be going through or situation that may be coming up against you or situation that you're about to enter. Prophetic word comes to build you so you collapse under conditions. Prophetic word comes to build you. It comes to exalt you, charge you up, encourage you, stir you up, encourage, exalt you. And it comes to comfort you. It is well. It is well. Sometimes I pity people who don't go to church or who go to churches that don't have the move of the Holy Spirit. Uh, You are are at the mercy of your circumstances. But know sometimes you can be going through something and a word from God comes and you know it is well. Uh, You just, or sometimes all you need is just a word from God. A word. Why, Why would you go to church where you can't hear from God? All you need is a a word from God and it has a way of keeping you going until your appointed time comes. In Job chapter 14, verse 14, it says, uh, says, all the days of my appointed time, I will wait till my change comes. I will wait till my change comes. I am here to announce to somebody, change, your change is coming. I said, your change is coming. Your change is coming. Is it about your marriage? Your change is coming. Is it about your finances? Your change is coming. Is it about your ministry? Your change is coming. Is it about your promotion? Your change is coming. Is it about your health? Your change is coming. Is it about your family? Your change is coming. Is it about your business? Your change is coming. Stop my change has come. Some change has come. Times change. Seasons change. And it does not take time. It does not take time. I'm here to let you know 
Don't let the situation make it look like you don't have hope. Because all the days of your appointed time, your change, you have to just keep, just keep pushing till your change comes. So prophecies come to edify, exalt, and comfort. Prophecies also come to unveil. Say unveil. It's very important. Prophecies come to unveil. Unveil. Unveil what? Number one, it comes to unveil the plans of God. In Habakkuk chapter uh, 2, verse 1 to 3, he says that, Set upon my, my rampart, and I will watch to see what he, what he will say to me, and what I will answer when I'm corrected. Verse 2 says that, And the Lord answered and said, Write the vision, make it plain on, the, uh, on tablets, that he may run that race it. Verse 3, for the vision is for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak, and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait, because it will surely come to pass. It will not tarry. So, so it's, you see, something has, it's, your laughter is in the plan of God. And he says that, God said to me, the vision that I'm showing you is for an appointed time. So it unveils the plan of God, which, under normal circumstances, people will not know. Prophecies, they unveil the plan of God and they unveil divine verdict. Say divine verdict. Divine verdict. Say divine verdict. Divine verdict. They, it unveils divine verdict. Ezekiel chapter 12, verse 21. Ezekiel chapter 12, verse 21. I like that. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, what is this proverb that people have, people have about the land of Israel, which says the days are prolonged, uh, the days are prolonged, and every vision fails? What are they saying? That's why you can't get married, you can't get a job, you can't be. Here. What are they? What is this thing they are saying? Go to the next verse. It says that. Tell them, therefore, that they are the Lord. I will lay this proverb to rest. <laughs> I don't know who I'm preaching to. I don't know what kind of proverb has been said about you. But God said, I should tell you, that proverb, he will lay it. I will lay that proverb to rest. It shall become obsolete redundant because they can't say about you again that you can't have a child. They can't say about you that you can't be married. They can't say about you that you can't be financially okay. They can't say about you that you will fail in ministry. They can't say about you anymore because God said, I will lay that proverb to rest and they will not say that anymore. Shout yes! But say to them, the days are at hand. And the fulfillment of every vision. The vision they say has failed. So God said, tell them, the days are hard. Now what? Prophecies come to, to unveil the divine verdict. Sometimes you may not know what heaven has got to say about the situation. You are confused. You don't know what's going on. Prophecies come to unveil divine verdict. He says, say to them, this is what they are saying. But say to them, me, I'm about to lay this. I don't know who I'm preaching to this. I'm about to lay this proverb to rest. And God said, that's my verdict. This proverb shall be laid to rest. 
it doesn't matter what conditions and what has been said about you the verdict the verdict of god is that that thing they've said about you is about to lay to rest it won't hold anymore it won't be effective anymore it will not work about your condition anymore shall i believe shall i believe shall i believe so prophecies unveil what do they unveil plans divine plans they unveil divine verdicts and even not just divine verdict the sworn they unveil the sworn divine verdict the sworn divine verdict isaiah chapter 14 verse 24 the the, the sworn when god has swore i swear the sworn divine verdict the lord of hosts has sworn saying surely i have thought so it shall come to pass and as i have purpose so it shall start no that prophecies come to unveil this god has he said surely i have sworn this will come to pass i've said it it will as i have said that's how god it, it you need prophecy to let you know how god has sworn concerning your health how god has sworn concerning your future how God has sworn concerning your ministry. How God has sworn concerning your, your marriage. How God has sworn concerning your children. Sometimes you hear all kinds of news about children and this. Sometimes you need a prophetic word. You need a prophetic word. We need a prophetic word that God has sworn. When one year, two years, three years, four years, five, seven years, six years, and we are married without a child, I had a sworn verdict. And I used to talk about it. So my the fact that we have not had a child yet was never a border. Because I knew God has sworn a bed. I had a prophetic word I was operating with. You will never be put to shame. I said you will never be put to shame. I said you will never be put to shame. So it is always important and necessary, essential, you take advantage of a prophetic season. Take advantage of a prophetic season. You know when they said there was credit crunch about a few years ago, some people became millionaires through that. Some people became more wealthy through that. How did it happen? They, when properties were being sold cheap, they bought so much. They, bought, they took advantage of the season. So you must learn how. Surfers, that's what surfers do. You check which wave can carry you further. So you check. The, sometimes they want, uh, you see a big wave, you think the wave is good, but they say, no, no, I know there's a better one will come. So you take advantage, and there are some waves when they come and you don't take advantage. It will take you another lifetime. Some of us, there are some things that have gone on in your family for so long. And this prophetic, prophetic season is your turn to change the story for your children. Because that thing that your grandmother fought, which your mother continued the battle, and it has fought you, you have to change it before it gets transferred to your children. Prophetic seasons. In, in, in the book of Second Chronicles chapter 26, from verse 3, 2 Chronicles 23, verse 3, the Bible says that Uzziah was 16 years old when he became a king, when he became king, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jecoliah of Jerusalem. Look at verse 3. Uzziah. 
He, he, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that has, uh, uh, his father Amaziah had, had done. And he covered sapatatu to command. He sought God at a certain time, which gave him leverage. At a certain time, because Zechariah was a very seasoned and a serious prophet. And this king sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had an Zachariah had understanding of the visions of God and the king Uzziah said ah, once there is Zachariah I'm going to take advantage of Zachariah took advantage of, of Bible says in the days of Zachariah who understanding the visions of God and as long as he sought God God made him his prosperity was on the back of Zachariah's prophetic ministry Zachariah Zechariah's season prophetic ministry made this guy become so prosperous. Yes. Because he, the, the days he saw God was very good days to see God. Ah. These are not the times you go for extra job and miss church. What is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? These are not the times. We are in a transitional moment and UK is standing on the brink of something great of God about to happen. What's wrong with you? This is not a time to come to church and be doing net speaking. I didn't like the way I didn't like the way this one was talking to me. They didn't shake my hand when I said say hello to someone. He didn't even shake my hand. You crazy? What's wrong with you? This is not a time for that. This is the season of finding. As soon as you enter, the, you are coming to church. You are not looking for what is the word about to come. What, what's God about to do? And look, keep your ears attentive. Some people say, look at that lady's shoe. Tell them the devil is a liar. Get deep behind me and begin to look. don't be distracted. Begin to look for where God is about to move and where you are thinking about. And then, then you see someone who is over jumping and rolling. Say I don't care and begin to just keep your focus. Keep, look, look for where God and as the word is coming, connect yourself. Try and describe. Find that now. This is me. This is for me. Connect yourself. Connect yourself. And don't be looking for petty, 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 petty things. He saw God. Yesterday, I was in with my family when we went to Coventry. We were in the hotel, and the prayer was going on in the morning. Normally, I don't come on the line, but just when the prayer, I heard God. I heard God go on the line and give this prophetic word that tomorrow morning by this time, tomorrow morning by this time. Tomorrow morning by this time, God told me, go on the line because it's a prophetic season. I need to make some declarations. And I came here to tell you, take advantage of the season because your prosperity is connected to this season. Your breakthrough is connected to this season. Your laughter is connected to this season. Your lifting is connected to this season. So shall it be. So shall it be. So shall it be. In the name of Jesus. Clap your hands, shout hallelujah. Verse 4, verse 4, look at verse 4. As long as he saw the Lord, the Lord made him to prosper. Verse 4 of 2 Chronicles 26. He saw God in the days, verse, verse 5. Okay, who had oxygen? So that's verse 5. Verse 6, look at verse 6. Now he went out and made war against the Philistines 
and broke down the walls, uh, the wall of Gad, Jabne, and the wall of Ashdod. And he built cities around Ashdod and among the Philistines. The next verse, verse 7, I think God helped him. Do you know why God helped him? Because Zechariah, Zechariah, he sought God in the days of Zechariah. Anything he will go to Zechariah. What's the Lord saying? Yes. Everything said God. No, no. Uh, people are saying negative things about Zachariah. I can't, I can't be bothered. Zachariah, yes. what is God saying? Yes. Tell me. And he, he sought God in the days of Zachariah, who had vision. Zachariah yes. had visions. That's you right. see, God will give you an evidence of who his hand is on. Yes, uh-huh. As long as your man of God is concerned, you can't go wrong. You would know in your, it's your pride and your flesh that will tell you that. But in, deep in your heart, you will know who your man of God is. You know. You know. You know. He, he, he speaks to you at a certain time. He says some things to you at a certain time. He spoke a word and you knew. This is this God. You, you just knew that God, has, God is talking to you. You know it. You know it. You know it. But what, what happens is that Satan will try and dis- See, if Satan can discredit the prophetic ministry, he will ground people. It's true. It's true. I'm going to show you. Eight, eight things or eight signs or eight uh, purpose of the prophet. The usefulness of the prophet. The purpose of the prophet. What is it about a prophet? What do they do? Why the prophet? What do I need to know about? The things that, eight things you need to know about the prophet. He sought God. So these times, brothers and sisters, these times, this, these are not times for, for picking faults and looking for. Hey, I found out that the closer you get to people, the more, like, the more likely it is for you to offend them. The more likely it is for you to offend, for them to offend you. Most of you will think that Prince uh, Harry is a very nice guy. Or David Cameron, Theresa May, Obama, Hillary Clinton, or depending on who you like, or Trump. You think Trump is such a nice guy till he tramples on you. (laughs) Human beings, even children, have the propensity to do something that will really unnerve you or that can destabilize you or upset you. A child can take your mobile phone and look at your face and hold it by the toilet bowl basin and look at your face and laugh and laugh and laugh and won't do anything. So you say, no! <laughs> and then what, what, what you gonna do? There's nothing you can do. I told you. I told you. Stop it. <laughs> and he said, oh, sorry, I didn't know. Sorry, I didn't know. Petty, petty people get offended by petty things. Infantile people. Someone getting married can offend you. I can't think madness. I don't think that. I, I don't think too far madness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh, I mean, that's the reality. You have to also know that that's the reality. Today, I'm about to make an announcement after church. Another couple are about to marry. And instead of using your sorry self, you can't find a woman to marry. Using your soul and checking the season, this marriage is going on. Connect yourself with that gentleman. Why? Why did he choose to go for her? Why did she accept her? I, I said, I said hello to her. Shut up and take advantage of the atmosphere and dive into your destiny. Serious. What you need to know about the prophet, eight things quickly. Number one, number one, the, the prophet, okay, the prophet or the prophetic ministry is a New Testament valid ministry. Many people think it's just in the Old Testament. The prophetic ministry is a New Testament ministry. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, he said, you never see this word in the Old Testament. This is not an Old Testament word. So if this is valid enough for a New Testament word, that means all the rest are valid New Testament words. Now, he said he gave to some apostles, some prophets. Some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Now, why would you say that apostolic ministry is still valid? Why would you say evangelistic ministry is still valid? Why would you say pastoral ministry is still valid in the New Testament, but had the audacity to say the prophetic ministry is obsolete or is no more valid? How do you yank that out intellectually? Grammatically, how can you take it out and make grammatical sense? How would you justify its exclusion from this? So he said he gave some apostles, some prophets, some prophets. So you have to understand that prophetic ministry is still valid in the New Testament era. The Old Testament, there were prophets, and the New Testament, there are prophets. Bible talks about how um, in First Corinthians chapter twelve, verse. 28. Very interesting text. This you like. I want us all to read it out together. Let's go. It's okay. We go off time. God appointed where? In the jungle. In the synagogue. In the tabernacle. In the temple. No. Appointed where? In the church. What's it supposed to be in the church? He said, apostles, church people, prophets, church people. In the church. Church is not an Old Testament word. It's a New Testament phenomenon. Because church was never in place until Jesus died and resurrected. Church only came into force. That, in fact, Bible talks about how the church age was hidden from the Old Testament prophet. They just could prophesy about it, but they didn't know what it means. Because you can't conceptualize how church uh, church, 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 you, you, you can't conceptualize. The Bible says that what was hidden, this mystery was hidden in the ages past. Now has been made, has been revealed 
Ephesians chapter 3, Paul, when Paul was talking about his ministry, he said that God has called him to bring into revelation or to bring to light this thing, that, the mystery that has been hidden. Talking about church. The church is called the mystery of Christ. And so the, the, the church is not an Old Testament word. It's a new, te- sometimes, yeah, the church in the wilderness is, is, is a metaphoric phrase, okay? New, uh, the, in the wilderness, church in the wilderness, just to represent the people of God when they were in the wilderness. But they were not a church because I gave you the definition of church. Definition of church is what? Christ plus cross. So without cross, there can't be church. Without Christ, there can't be church. If you subtract any of these factors out of church, it's not church. It's gathering. It can be a congregation, but not a church. It takes the cross to have the church. So before the cross, there was no church. As simple as that. So God has appointed in the church first apostles and prophets. In fact, um, there, was a, there was some kind of confusion. Yeah, confusion in the church in Antioch. In Acts chapter 15. And, and um, Paul and, you know, Acts chapter 13, Bible says that they were praying. Uh, Acts chapter 13 verse 1. And in the church that was in Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. Yeah, 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 yeah. There were, I mean, where, where, where was that? In the church that was in Antioch, there were, there were certain prophets in the church. So why do people say we don't have prophets again? He said, in the church that was in Antioch, there were certain prophets. I know. They would say, oh no, at that time, the prophetic ministry, some of them from Old Testament were still alive, so they were dying. <laughs> hey, yeah, you're right. <laughs> so, he said, in the church, there were certain prophets, all right, the church that was in Antioch, and then this, uh, the, the, mention, the prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, okay, um, Lucius and then um, Lucius and then Saul. There were five of them. And they were praying the Holy Ghost said, separate unto me Paul and Barnabas for the work. Barnabas and Saul for the work I've called them. And then when they were sent out, they weren't doing the work. They, they went doing the work. And then when they, after they went and visited, they came back to Antioch. And there was a problem in Antioch because certain Jews, Jewish believers, have come from Jerusalem and then when they came and met the Gentile believers, can I go a little bit into that? Now, listen, it was it, the Gentile church, the movement for the Gentile church started from Antioch. The movement for the church of God worldwide started from Jerusalem. So on the day of Pentecost, they were all in Jerusalem and suddenly something came and the church was birthed in Jerusalem. But it's interesting, the head of the church, the Bible said all scattered except the apostles from Jerusalem because of the persecution. Acts chapter 8 verse 1, there was a great persecution and they all scattered apart from the apostles and they were all scattered throughout the region in Judea except the apostles. So they stayed in Jerusalem because that was the headquarter. (laughs) (laughs) Headquarters of the church, all right? So they stayed there. Peter, so this is what happened. That's why you remember in Acts chapter 8 when 
Philip went down to Samaria. In verse 15, look at verse 15. Chapter 8, verse 15. Bible says that now when they came, no, verse 14, sorry, I need, I need, I need verse 14. Now when the apostles that were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria has received them. Samaria is not in Jerusalem. He said, you shall be witnesses of, of me both in Jerusalem, in Judea, to Samaria, to the other. So it's from Jerusalem, the center, Judea, the bigger region, and then outside of Judea, that Samaria, then to the uttermost part of the world. So now it's a, now the gospel had spread in Jerusalem. Now it's going to Samaria. And Philip was the one who took it to Samaria. And he went and preached. Bible said there was great, verse 8, and there was great joy in the city. And so verse 14 says that when the apostles, they heard that Samaria has heard the word, have received the word of God, they sent Peter and John. So Peter and John, their base is in Jerusalem. They sent Peter and John headquarters. They sent Peter and John to them. And then when Peter and John came, watch verse 15, when they came, who when they came down, prayed that they might receive the Holy Spirit. So the headquarters was Jerusalem. So there was confusion in Antioch. Now the thing has started in Antioch. Interesting to note that when the church was about to birth in, be birthed in Antioch, it was, it was the prophets and the teachers who were praying, and the Holy Ghost didn't go to Peter. He didn't go to headquarters and say, okay, Peter, go down and tell them that they, they should separate. No, no. He came there, and by the time Peter and John and the apostles heard, the gentile movement already started from Antioch. The prayer and the fellowship was going on in Antioch, not in Jerusalem. So God, that's why you have to be where the prayer is going on. And God came to them. Now, Peter was the leader. Peter and James, they were the top guys of the church. Why didn't God consult them before telling them Paul and Barnabas? But anyway, God sent them out and they went. And when they have gone to do the work, these Jews who had come from Jerusalem, they were believers. And they had come from Jerusalem, now started fellowshiping with the other Gentiles. And they said, you are a Gentile, but you haven't been circumcised. No. You see, now, let me just, uh, when, it, when it comes to Judaism, those times, you, when you are a child, when you are a Jew, when you are born on the eighth day, they will circumcise you. So it's the a part of the religious demands, the covenant with Abraham. You have to be circumcised. That is why when Paul was going to do the missions work, you know you'll be going to the synagogue, and Timothy, who was a Gentile, his father was a Gentile, my mother Jews, but his father, because his father he hasn't been circumcised. In Acts chapter 16, verse 4, verse 3, Paul wanted to take him along took him and circumcised him and so that he can <laughs> he can go with him for mission. For the sake of the revival. Some of us, you have to allow us to circumcise you. It may be in different areas. Maybe in your attitude, your finances, your, your relations, you, the things that easily upset you. The different things. You have to allow us to circumcise you so that you can, we, can, we, we can take you along so long as the revival is concerned. Shout, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. So anyway, Paul circumcised him so he can take him along the journey. So that is the... So when the Jews are so particular about circumcision, when you, so in those times, there are people who are called proselytes. Proselytes are people who see the Jewish religion and they like the Jewish religion. They are not Jews, but they want to be part of like a Jew. They want to convert to be a Jew or to practice Judaism, actually, to convert to practice Judaism. They want to leave all those idols and practice Judaism. Now, you can, be, you can do that, but to do that, you have to be circumcised and go through the Mosaic law. So it was normal. 
And the people were accepting being circumcised. So now these Jews come and see people who are uh, Gentiles have become born again. And they say, hey, you haven't been circumcised. Why? They say, no, 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 no. You have to be circumcised. Hey, you can't serve God without circumcision. No, you have to be circumcised. So, you see, with the Jewish mindset, any uh, traditional Jewish man, every traditional Jewish man was so particular about circumcision if you hang around him and you, don't, you are not circumcised, it, it, it get, they get problems. All right. So when these guys decided to come and now be part of God worship, the Jews genuinely thought that you must be circumcised. You have to be circumcised. So it became a big problem with the Gentile church. The Gentiles said, no, we don't have to. He said, no, you have to. And so it became back and forth. And Paul and Barnabas said, no, why do you want them to be circumcised? It's not necessary. They said, okay, let's settle this matter in Acts chapter 15. Let's settle this matter. Let's go to the leaders of the church, headquarters, to the apostles in Acts chapter 15, somewhere from verse 10 downwards. Let's go to um, the apostles and let them go and ask them about this thing so we can settle this matter once and for all. So Paul and Barnabas decided to go. So Paul took Barnabas and then they were going to go and settle this matter. So when they went to the, the, the apostles in Jerusalem, well, okay, listen, listen. When they came to the elders in Jerusalem, they told them the situation that had happened. And Peter said, yes, I remember how God appeared to me and told me to go to a Gentile man's house to go and preach to him. And then they, came, they concluded that uh, Peter and Paul said, why do we demand from the Gentiles what we Jews could, could not even keep? We couldn't keep, and God has given us a way out. Now, others are also coming to enjoy what God has given the way out. You are not, we are not asking them, placing them, I think the best, that uh, from 15 somewhere there, placing demand on them. So they came to a conclusion. They said, no, it's not necessary. So they said, we're going to write a letter and send the letter to you back to, yeah, we are sending the letters from headquarters back to Antioch and that region to go and educate the people. Now, this is the story behind it. So after they have written the letter, but it was Paul and Barnabas who came back, who came to headquarters. Now, only Paul and Barnabas going to talk to everybody. Meanwhile, they are opposition there. They will say no. So in Acts chapter 15, verse 22, Bible says that they chose certain top guys. And it pleased the apostles and the elders with the whole church, that's talking about in Jerusalem, to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch. With Paul and Barnabas. So they chose Judas, whose surname was Basabas, and Silas, lead, uh, leading men amongst the brethren. These are top guys. Leading men. They sent them that go with Paul and Barnabas. So they called um, Judas and chose. So they chose Silas. So Silas and Judas to accompany Paul. Uh -huh, accompany Paul and Barnabas to the Gentiles to break the news to them that Gentiles don't have to be circumcised. Does that make sense? <laughs> Bible says very clearly in verse 32 of Acts chapter, chapter, chapter 15, verse 32 says that these guys were, say, he said, now Judas and Silas, themselves being what? Brothers. Themselves being what? Brothers. Themselves being what? Brothers. They are prophets too. They are prophets also. Silas and Judas. They are prophets. So why are you saying we don't have prophetic ministry in the New Testament? These are prophets. Who said it? The Bible said it. Yeah. They are prophets and they send them. And then when they finish their work, uh, verse, verse 30, uh, 33, when they finish their work, the brethren send them bye-bye. And 
And when they had stayed there for a time, they were sent back with the greetings from the brethren to the apostles. Who, who are we talking about? Silas and, and Judas. But guess what? Silas didn't go. They finished their job. I like the next verse. And that must be your verse. Verse 34. However, it seemed good to Silas to remain there. It seemed good to stay in church. Okay, sister? It doesn't matter. Someone offended you. They are giving you a big job. That will take you out of church. It seemed good to you to stay in church and let the job go. See? And that's how prophetic destinies unfold. The guy, because it seemed good for him to stay there, guess what? In the next two, three verses, Paul took him after he had spotted company Barnabas. That was the last time we heard about Paul and Barnabas. Paul took him and then sailed, and the brethren commended them to the grace of God. And then verse 39, look at verse 39. Then, so Barnabas took Mark and went. Paul, what did Paul do? But Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren. Interesting. The brethren commended Paul and Silas to go by the grace of God. And then the next verse, they go, they went and found him. Because you, this guy was a prophet, Silas, but they, need, they always need a servant. The man that God needs someone to, that's John Mark. John Mark's job was to serve them. And then he, when they got to Pamphylia, he left them. He left them. Acts 13, 13. He left them at Pamphylia and went back to Jerusalem. Pamphylia. Pamphylia. He departed from them, returned to Jerusalem. And so when he came to Acts chapter 15 and they're about to go back to visit them from verse 36, they go and visit the people. Uh, Barnabas was, uh, Barnabas determined to take John Mark, but Paul said in verse 30, 38, Paul said, no, we can't take this guy because he, he abandoned us in Pamphylia. And listen to what I found. Listen to what I found. He departed from uh, had not gone with us to the work. He said, this guy, no. Paul, but Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia. One of the verses says that Paul thought it wasn't wise. It wasn't a good idea to take this guy. He can depart at any time. <laughs> it's not, it's not reliable. Uh, let's see how the NIV puts it because there's one. Yes. But Paul did not think it wise. He didn't think too far away. He did not think too, because the guy deserted them in Pamphylia. There are some people, when we, we move from Greatland, Greatland, they deserted us. When we go to Revival Center, they want to now come and sit on front seats. No, it will not be wise. No, no, no. It, I don't think it will be wise. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's not revenge. It's not revenge. What people don't realize, listen to this. What people don't realize is this is about their work. If you are not committed to the work, we can't give you placements in the work. It's the work, not me. The work. The work. I heard Papa say this morning, let me digress again. I heard Papa say this morning, it was really a blessing to me. He said that, yeah, yeah, God only promotes people who work for him. Did you hear the lady's testimony? As she engaged herself in church service, Church activities. In the gentleman, he was failing every exam he was writing. So he got engaged in church work. He went and passed. He passed greatly. There's another one, another one of the testimonies the lady was speaking about. She got herself busy uh, serving in the church. She had a throat, a throat problem. And she kept singing in the choir, singing, singing, singing. She showed, 
The specialist, what will happen? Service. God, God promotes the blessing of God. The promotion of God comes to people who are saying, now listen to what Papa said. Listen to, I'm about to say something. Papa, it blessed me so much. In the army, the highest rank you get, you, you, you are or you were at your retirement is the highest you will ever be. Nobody promotes in a company. You don't promote people who are not working. <laughs> when you retire from the army, the rank you retired, and that's the highest you can ever go in the army. <laughs> so you, are, you, you, you don't have any involvement in church work, and yet you want to be promoted in the work. God, God's resources, God's blessing, God's promotion comes to people who are working for him. I'm saying something. You have to really be concerned if you are not engaged in church work. Because there are so many reasons. Uh, you know, the, the nature of my job, my, my, the nature of my job. Oh, but maybe, so you want to lose the job then? You, don't, you want to be jobless? Maybe joblessness will help your involvement in God. Brother, he has done a lot of people good. Joblessness. <laughs> to connect to the prophetic. Some people say, oh, you know, in our time, my time, because of the nature of my, my time, I, don't, I really don't have time. And I, Listen, Papa said this this morning. Papa said this. It also blessed me. He said, sickness can keep you in hospital for four weeks. Yes. Tell me. You don't. Sickness doesn't come based on time. It can't when his time is come. You will never be in hospital. You will not be hospitalized. You will not be hospitalized in the name of Jesus. So any reason, any excuse you have for your uninvolvement and disengagement in God's work, something else can come and show you that. You see, because in life, something is always vying for your money, vying for your time, vying for your attention, and fighting for your blessing. Something is always... So if your money doesn't serve God, it will serve something. Papa said this morning, Papa said, I was listening to me, he said that your, um, people said, oh, you know, my financial situation, that's why I cannot tithe. That it, it's about to get harsher. <laughs> yes, your inability to trust God and engage God in your financial situations means that you are allowing severe harshness to come in. Severe. Very, very serious. You see, so when we think that we are giving excuse, can you imagine this young boy standing here has a very good health with the way radically I use my body without food supplements or any medication? Look at praise night. Look at the screaming. Look at the fastings. There's no year for the past few Few, uh, few years. I don't do 100 days fasting every year. 40 days very often. I had an encounter again last week and God, I saw, it's interesting, I saw a spirit. There is a spirit operating in my generation which is food spirit. No, no, no. I'm telling you, I'm not joking. I'm not too. Many, many God showed me and in, in, in the faith clinics, in December, we are going to have some um, healing schools. God showed me one of the areas that, so next Sunday we are doing, taking communion. One of the ways to deal with that spirit that has already taken hold in people is communion and healing schools. Because, and then the Lord showed me, many sicknesses are eating related, food related. 
Many sicknesses. Last week, I wasn't reading it from any book. I was in prayer. I was in prayer. Away. I went away. Praying, seeking the faith. That's that. And every time I go and I'm praying, I have encounters with personalities that are responsible for different things. Not too many. That's where I saw the spirit behind this uh, city. Attacking things in, in England. And then I, I, I saw different things some time ago. But last time, I met the spirit of poverty. And I saw. Anytime I meet the spirits, uh, uh, this unique... Uh, God, the Holy Ghost then shows me how to deal with this. It's a spirit for eat food, not eating. No, no, please, I'm not talking about eating. It's food. There's a difference between because we all eat. But the food you are, you are putting yourself on. And some of us, unfortunately, have developed a certain taste for what is likely that can kill us. And there's a spirit behind it. There's a spirit that's yelling, oh, you, you know that this thing I'm eating, I'm about to die. But yeah, you, you know. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> it's interesting. I was shocked. This is not a subject for that. There are other things I saw related to this, the spirit of food. Okay, which... Possibly I'll explain in some other times. So we, we, we are on a mission to attack this. Some of you, you, may, you don't understand why, why you, you eat some kind of food. You hate it, but you just keep it. And you're losing control every time. It's like this. Yeah, sometimes we have to admit. I just found out there are powerful spirits behind and it's operating against men of God too. Yeah. So men of God's health are coming under attack without running. It's the food you are eating. It's the food. It's the food. It's in the food. It's in the food. It has been packaged in the food. That's why you can't afford. God showed me. That's why you can't afford not to have communion. Yeah. Hey. You can't afford because communion. I'm not saying eat everything and then, but communion has a way. Because even the normal one you eat, because of processes yeah. and different things, cancer is on the rise in our generation. Because of processing, I found out recently that much was the salmon that we think we are eating fish is farmed with all kinds of stuff into our system. It's interesting, but let's leave that. So now, you've eaten a food, some food. You don't really know the source. But it's decent food. Let's say you've been served with some chicken or some fish and some veg, and you don't know the source. You have eaten, and you have to eat. Watch this. But you have eaten something, not dangerous, but invariably, communion goes to them. Because you have to eat as a human being. So communion will go to the source of that thing and deal with it spiritually. Because if there is a spirit behind it, then the communion will deal with that spiritual influence that has entered it. This is also prophetic. So, back, back, back to the point. God rewards people who serve. Now, so, point number two. What you have to know about prophets. Prophets are God's spokesman, or a prophet is God's spokesperson. God's spokesperson. God's spokesman. God's spokesperson. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 7, oh, one day I went to um, faith clinic and God gave me this word. And it was so prophetic. Exodus chapter 3, verse 7, the Lord said, uh, all right. And the Lord said, 
I have, I have, I have surely seen the affliction of, of my people which are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows, and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land, that land, unto a good land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto a place of, Cana of the Canaanites, and Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now therefore, watch this, now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come up unto me, and I have also seen the oppression of uh, oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Well, let's read the verse 10 together from the screen. Let's go, verse 10. Come now, therefore, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. God said, I've come to deliver them, but I'm going to send you. So Moses went to Pharaoh as a prophet on God's behalf. He said, so he got to Pharaoh, he said, that said the Lord, Pharaoh. In chapter 4, verse 14, so the, uh, Moses was complaining that, God, I can't go. I can't speak because of the nature of uh, my background and my training. Uh, this kind of job uh, they're asking me to do, I can't do it. See, sometimes when God is placing a prophetic demand on you, there come excuses that come. So he said, I can't do it. But God was not happy. God didn't take it lightly at all. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. Is it possible that God, is, his, anger, his anger is kindling against somebody who maybe... God is telling you, I want you to do this, but you are stubborn. You are telling God, oh God, you know, you know, uh, later, you know, this guy, the way he gives me money, if I, I yeah, yeah, he's not a Christian, he's a Muslim, but then, uh, you know, let me take you, and God is telling you, I've reserved a, a prophet for you, I've reserved an apostle for you, and you are an apostle's wife to be. Why are you hanging around with this Buddhist? <laughs> So he never knew. I don't know who I'm prophesying. And he said, God said, it's not Aaron the Levite, your brother. I know that he can speak well. And look, he's also coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he'll be glad in his heart. The next verse. Now you shall speak to him and put the words in his what are, you, the words that I've told you, put it in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and I will teach you what you shall do. Go to the next verse. So he shall, watch this, so he shall be your spokesman to the people, and he himself shall be as the mouth for you, and you shall be to him as God. So now, you see what he said? He shall a spokesman, and you will be like God, and he's your spokesman. Okay, so Aaron then was operating in a certain a, a, a prophetic dimension because what he's God said that you will be like God, he'll be your so God normally will speak and then someone will speak on his behalf. So you tell someone to go and see. So look at chapter 7, verse 1. Look at chapter 7, verse 1. Chapter, chapter 7, verse 1. So the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you as God to Pharaoh, and Aaron, your brother, shall be who? What's the job of a prophet? A spokesperson. So he will speak what you tell him to go and say. In other words, the job of a prophet is to be the spokesperson of God. If God wants to speak to you, he will send a prophet your way. In Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 18, he said, God, I will raise up for them a prophet like, like you from amongst uh, their brethren, and 
will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. A prophet is a spokesperson for God. In Jeremiah, when God called Jeremiah, he didn't want to go. In Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, he said, Don't, I'm a child. And God said, No, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Don't say you can't go. But Jeremiah 1 7, it says that, But the Lord said to, to me, Do not say I am a youth, for you shall go to all, all to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. So you are not going to say your own words. Prophets speak what God tells them to speak. That is um, what you have to know about a prophet. Now, number three. So number one is New Testament is valid in the New Testament. Number, number two is God's prophet. Number three, oh, huh. mm, this is a good one. Prophets are custodians of, uh, a prophet is the custo a custodian of divine secrets. There are things that are in the mind of God. No one knows. He reveals it to his prophets. God has a program. To, he plans to do something. He will reveal it to a prophet. In Amos chapter 3 verse 7. He said, Bible says that there's nothing that God will, not, will do without revealing to his prophet. Amos chapter. Let, let's all read it from the screen together. Can you see the screen? All right, let's go. Surely, the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servant, the prophet. You see, so the prophets are the custodians of God's secrets, the divine secrets. Sometimes God has to want to do something. It's a secret. No one knows about it, but he will let his prophet in on it to speak. Praise the Lord. Number, number, number four. I like this. Prophets. You have to take this serious. Prophets are agents of divine rescue. Agents of divine rescue. If God wants to rescue you, he will send a prophet away. This morning, I'm glad to announce somebody that your rescue hour has come. Amen. I said your rescue hour, our rescue has come. In the name of Jesus. What we just read, Exodus chapter 3. He said, I've heard the cry of my people and I've come down to rescue them, therefore go. He sent him to go and rescue them. He's the agent. He's not the one doing the rescue. God is the one doing the rescue, but he needs a prophet. He needs a prophet. What a prophet is not, a prophet is not someone who has to wear a magazine, wear a gown, wear a beard. No, 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 no. A certain pastor told me this about eight years ago. He said, oh, man of God. Because, you know, there are some people, they struggle to have beard. They, they, they do everything. They try and fertilize it, but it just comes like... A uh, chicken playing over there, like, something like that. So, a uh, 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 chick's playing over there. Now, watch this. He, he, I saw him. He was growing his beard. The thing was struggling to come by. He was trying. So, I, so I said, hey, man of God, why are you trying to grow your beard? He said, hey, no. I said, prophet, you have to look very strange. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Can you imagine some of you, the first time you are invited to this church, and the, your, your friend who invited you said, oh, that's our prophet. You look at me and say, but this, why is he a prophet? But as soon as you see this, let me finish. I will show you quickly. Bible's prescription, he said that how, Jesus actually said, beware of false prophets. I will get to that. Right. But this is very important. So prophets are custodians of divine secrets. Number four, prophets are a, a five, a four. Prophets are agents of, of rescue. God said, I will send you to go and deliver my people. 
in, in, in Luke chapter 4, verse 27, Jesus talks about how there were many lepers in the days of Elisha. The many lepers were in Israel in the days of Elisha, the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the sea. God rescued that man's health through the prophets. They are agents of rescue. In, in Hosea chapter 12, verse 13, the Bible says, by a prophet, God brought Israel out of Egypt. Say prophet. So a prof, by a prophet, the Lord brought Israel out of Egypt. So prophetic ministry is very important and it cannot be trivialized. Amen. And then um, I spoke about Naaman. Now let me leave it. Let me go to five, fifth point. Prophets are agents of progress. Agents of progress. Sometimes you get stuck in life. The, the, the lady who said that sees her pain. She can't work. And that was no stagnation. But he said, I connected to the prophetic word. I connected. My, my care group leader told me that this week, Pastor made a declaration and actually they turned it into a, a poster. So take advantage of that declaration, which has been there. Take advantage of that good news. You hear good news. So she latched in and out on that prophetic word. And she, her rescue became a, a, a testimony. Hallelujah. Progress. Sometimes you get stuck. Ezra chapter 4. Verse 24. Ezra 4, 24. Then sees the work of the house of God, which is at Jerusalem. So it ceased unto the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. What ceased? What ceased? The work ceased. That means no progress. But what should happen? Chapter 5, verse 1. Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Edo prophesied unto the Jews that were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel, even unto them. So then rose up Zerubbabel, the son of Sheetel, and Jeshua, the son of Jozadak, and began to build the house of God, which is at Jerusalem, and with them were the prophets of God helping them. The work was seized, but the prophets came and progress started. I see progress. Amen. From today, anything, any progress that has stunted, I see it reactivated. I see progress being restored into your life. I see progress in your family, progress in your finances, progress in your career, progress in your business, progress in your life. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, someone I believe. Please sit down. So they are agents of progress. Number six, they are agents of prosperity. In Second Samuel, Second Chronicles, chapter twenty, verse verse twenty, verse twenty said, "Hear, O Israel, Judah." Hear, O Israel, O Judah, and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall. Be established. Believe in his prophets. And what happens to you? You prosper. So, prosperity. Prophets are agents of prosperity. Bible talks about, Jesus himself spoke about, in the days of Elijah, there were a lot of beggars in Israel. In Luke chapter 4, verse 24 to 26, there were a lot of beggars, but none of them widows, there was none in the time of famine, said, Assuredly, I say unto you, 
No problem. Verse 25. Let's go to verse 25. But I tell you the truth. Many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heavens were shut up three, th- three years and six months and there was great famine. That tells you financial challenges. Great famine in the land. And what happened? Go to the next verse. But to none of them was Elijah, the prophet sent. So the prophet was sent to the woman to go and sustain her in the famine. In, in um, 1 Kings chapter 17, 1 Kings chapter 17, that same story is there. 1 Kings chapter um, 17, verse 13 to 15. I like that. I think, I think it will be good we all read it from the screen. Have you seen it? It says that Elijah said to, uh, to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a, a small cake from, the, from it first and bring it to me and afterwards make some for you, yourself, and your son. Now, they had only small to make for the two of them. Elijah said, make me first. All right? And then for that, ay, 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 ay. he said, go and do cake for me. Bake cake for me first. For that said the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord shall send rain, until the famine will be over. You are gathering sticks to bake small cake and eat so that you and your son can die. But I'm telling you, I came to sustain you. Cook, bake the cake for me first to eat. Afterwards, this is what God is saying. You will never run out of oil. You will never run out of, uh, of, of flour because a prophetic ministry has come to you to prosper you and to sustain. Now go to the next verse. Look at the, last, the next verse. So she went and did according to the word of Elijah and she and her household, she and he and her household ate for me. What they had left was for just that moment. But they ate for many days. They had something to eat for the moment and die. But a prophetic ministry came and sustained them and brought prosperity. There was a woman in 2 Kings chapter 4, from 1 to 7. The husband died in death. The husband was a prophet, a holy man. And for some reason, I think they went for loan and they used their son as collateral. Their sons. And so the bailiffs came. Bailiffs, say bailiffs. May bailiffs not have any necessity to come near your house. In the mighty name of Jesus, I start as a prophet to bail you from the, the influence of bailiffs and the harassment of bailiffs. In the name of Jesus, the bailiffs came and then called the man of God. He said, Man of God, there's a problem. There's no money, and they are coming to take my sons, but I can't let my sons go. The man of God said, Go and get a jar, borrow many jars. You have, you have oil? Yes, pour it into the jar. Just keep, the oil never finished. So the jar ran out of jar. They have a lot of jars of oil. He said, go and sell it, pay your debt. That was very seriously prophetic. Came with financial prosperity. Now, in, in, in that same, in 2 Kings 6, there was famine in the land. Listen to this very carefully. There was severe famine in the land. People from verse 26, the king, someone said, king, help me, help me. What is happening? My, my friend, we have, we have cooked my baby, we have eaten the baby because he brought an idea. The family is so hard. We don't have food to eat, we are about to die. So he said, let's cook your baby and let's eat. When we finish eating your baby for a few days, then we can cook my own and eat. And this foolish woman said, that's fine. So they bought, they bought her son, they ate her son, and then the next day when it was time for the woman to bring her, she went and hid her son. Oh. <laughs> so... <laughs> 
There are interesting stories in the scriptures. So, so she went, she, she cried at the king at last. The king said, if God doesn't help, that, this situation is bad. There was trouble, famine in the land. And then in chapter, watch this, there's no help in the land. And then in chapter 7, verse 1, I like that. The, chapter 7, verse 1, then the prophet came and he said, that said the Lord, tomorrow morning, Elijah came, hear the word of the Lord. That said the Lord, tomorrow about this time, a share of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel and two shares of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. That's the prophetic word. And do you know what? It happened. Go and read it. It happened as the man of God said. But there's something I need to point to you in the verse 2 and verse 17. But we need to, let me finish this quickly because my time is up. Now, so they are agents of what? Who are prophets, agents of prosperity? Number seven, last two. Who are prophets, agents of restoration? Ezekiel 37. He said, man of God, shall these bones live? He said, prophet, verse five. He said, prophesy to them and say you shall live. And he prophesied and life came into them. The prophets, the prophetic ministry is meant for restoration. Some of you, your marriages need restoration. Your health need restoration. Your families need restoration. Your finances need resuscitation. In the name of Jesus, I prophesy restoration. As a prophet, I stand before you sent by God and I issue, I issue a decree that restoration comes back to your marriage. Restoration comes back to your family. Restoration comes back to your health. Restoration comes back to your ministry. Restoration comes back to your career. In the name of Jesus, I prophesy it into existence. Shut up, man. Please sit down, let me finish this. So they are agents of restoration. And then finally, they are agents of divine reward. Prophets are agents of divine reward. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 41, it says that anyone who gives a cup of water, he said, if you receive, he said, he who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive what? A prophet. There is a certain reward that, you see, I heard Papa say this, which was a blessing. You don't need to be a tailor to wear good clothes. <laughs> you don't need to be a mechanic to drive good cars. You just have to know a mechanic. <laughs> In the same way, you don't need to be a prophet to carry prophetic, certain prophetic graces. Grace that only is reserved for the prophet can, can be directed to you. Hallelujah. If you receive a prophet in the name of you receive a prophet's reward. A pro- I see a prophet's reward coming to somebody. I see a prophet's reward coming to somebody. Second Kings chapter 4, verse 8 to 10. There was a woman, and she had a husband. And then this, he, he went to the husband and said, Sir, honey, I perceive that this guy is a man of God. He's a holy man of God. Can we make a special chamber in our house? Build it and put a table and chair so that he can, when any time he passes by, we reserve that room for him. Any time pastor, just come and rest there. We will take care of him. He said, we will take care of him. Because he con- she connected to the prophet. Afterwards, the prophet said that, Gehazi, what does this woman want? Can we speak to the king on her behalf? He said, no, no, I didn't, I'm not my own people. I'm not an a, immigrant. I don't have immigration problem. So everything is prosperous. He said, has she got, and Gehazi said, but she has not got a son. He said, they called her for me. And he told her that a year by now, You shall carry your own child. Why? Because you have received this prophet. You have received me. You have triggered some prophetic reward into your life. So prophets are for prophetic reward. God gives prophets. They are agents of divine 
reward in the mighty name of Jesus. And I see some coming to you. Quickly, quickly, how do you receive from the ministry of the prophet? Three points. Number one, number one, be, receive the prophet. Because a prophet you don't receive can't benefit you. It's necessary. I need someone to get it. You have to receive. You know, in Matthew, I just quoted Matthew chapter 10, verse 41. He said, if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet. So the way you receive a prophet determines how much it can be of benefit to you. Hmm. This is serious. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Now, there's a scripture I need you to write. This is so important. In Luke chapter 2, verse 34. This is a serious scripture. Nobody should forget this because of the prophetic season we are in. Luke chapter 2, verse 34. Shall we all read it out loud from the screen? Let's go. Can you see it? Let's go. This child is destined for the fall and rising of many. And for a sign which shall be spoken against. The last bit. And, no, 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 no. Go back, go back. And for what? Jesus was a prophet. Okay. God told, Moses said, I'll raise a prophet like myself. God said, I'll raise a prophet like unto Moses for you. So Jesus came as a prophet and Simeon, when he was born, he came and prophesied that this prophet, it shall be for the sign which shall be spoken against. How many of you know that people, prophetic people get spoken against a lot? Some of you have heard so many negatives about things about prophets. It's Satan's program so that it can stop you from receiving the prophet. Because a prophetic ministry you don't receive cannot benefit you. A prophetic ministry you don't receive cannot benefit you. And so Satan has a way of finding way. Ah, these people, yeah, yeah, yeah. There are times, I'm telling you, there are times where God gives me a word for somebody. And just when I was about to give the word, I feel that this person is not ready. I said, can I pray with you? As though it's for my benefit. There are people who have had serious crises in life, but for a prophet, if they had seen a prophet, if they had received the prophet God sent into their life, they wouldn't have been in the crisis they were in. Some of you know people who are into current crisis, who wouldn't have been in that crisis if they had received the prophet God sent into their life? Receive the prophet. So, what do you do with the prophet? To benefit the ministry of a prophet, first of all, receive the woman, the woman who said, I perceive this is a man of God. Let's build a nice place so that he can just feel comfortable and stay around here. They receive the prophet. No wonder it was showing in their family. The testimony was showing in their family. Why? Because they have received a prophet. I see testimonies beginning to show in the family. Number two, number two, believe in the prophet. Number one, receive the prophet. Number two, do what? Believe in the prophet. Believe in the prophet that God has sent to you. Papa puts it this way. I like the way Papa puts it. He says, the prophet you don't believe cannot add value to your life. Oh, I know him. Yeah, oh, friends. Oh, he's going to Oh, yeah, that's my brother. My brother told me something. He said he has understood that I'm a man of God. So when I speak, he doesn't forget about the fact that we are related. And Pastor David Oyedepo he said, when his father is speaking, he re- that is his prophet. No, it's that natural dad. It's natural dad, but that doesn't factor. That's his prophet. Some of us, our weakness is our familiarity. Our 
familiarity around the prophetic ministry. And the enemy will find a way of making you hear negative things. You know, he doesn't like you. I'm not mad on God. I doesn't like you at all. It's, it's just, he just wants to use you. He just wants to take money from you. You show people who gossip, their lips are very different. <laughs> he doesn't like you. I mean, you see, when people are coming to gossip, you, check, you look at the shape of their lips. It will change. You have to believe in. He says, Second Chronicles chapter twenty, verse twenty. He said, "Believe in his prophets, and you prosper." What the? How much you benefit from the prophetic ministry is how much you believe. And he says that in Luke chapter one, verse 40, forty-five. He says that blessed is he who believeth, for there shall be a performance of the things that were told him of the Lord. You have to believe. Believe in the prophet. Know that when the prophet speaks, God is sending you help. God is sending somebody help. God is sending somebody help. Most of us, we, had, we, we receive the prophetic ministry as though it is dependent on human calculations. So when you have come to your wisdom, your back, your back is against the wall, and the prophetic word comes that God is going to deliver you, you are thinking, but you don't know what you are talking about. God is saying, I've tried and nothing is happening. See, just did, Peter told Jesus, we have tried all night, we didn't catch anything. Yet, nevertheless, at your word, we are going to believe in it. We are going to give it a try again. So stop focusing your attention on things you have done that didn't work and watch how you know things don't work. And once you have received a prophetic word, believe in the prophetic word, believe in your prophet, and you will see it manifesting in your life. You will receive the manifestation. There's somebody here, you are about to get married within the next one year. Before 2017, someone is about to get married at the altar, somebody's marriage has come. I am prophesying. I am prophesying. I am prophesying. Your marital breakthrough has arrived. In the name of Jesus. What do you do to benefit from a prophetic ministry? One, receive the prophet. Number two, and number three, the last one, number three, obey the prophet. Obey the prophet. Second Kings chapter 5, verse. 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 14. And you know, we read it earlier on as well when Elijah told the woman, Go and bake the cake for me first. What, what do you think? Uh, these pastors, these people, they think, I'm, Me too, I'm very smart. I know what to do. See, some of us are too intelligent for the prophetic ministry to help you. You are smart for the prophetic ministry to help you. I'm telling you. You are too smart. I have no pastor friends who major prophets like Dagger Ward Mills, major prophets of, these are generational prophets. Bishop Oyedepo, they are generational prophets. They are generational prophets. When you are dealing with them, forget about what, how smart and how familiar you are with the territory. And just listen to what they are saying. Listen to the voice of God and walk, walk in, in obedience. And some, 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 of, some of them will call you and say, can you do this for me? And you are thinking, oh, this man of God. Every time he forget about that and know that you're, come on. Someone, you, your pastor who is operating, who operates as a prophet comes to you and he says that you, I want you to join the choir. And you're having 28 reasons why you can't join the choir. Do you understand why some people's breakthroughs delay? Yeah. And they don't understand. Because you are not subject to instructions. You don't obey any instruction. You, you, it's like buffet. 
When the word of God comes like buffet, you choose, uh, I like this one. This one, I don't like shrimps. I like this. I like that. I'll take. So you, you pick and choose which instruction you obey. The, the man told Elijah, told the woman, yes, I know your situation is precarious. This small meal left for you and your son. Bake me, make me cake to eat first. Make me cake to eat first. First Kings chapter 17. To eat first. And the Bible says, and the woman went and did according, chapter 17 from verse 14. Went and did according to, uh, according as the prophet had told her. And because of that, she went away and did what? According to the word of Elijah. You are looking for breakthrough. You are looking for the what God has sent me to deliver to you. Obey when the instructions come. Went and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and her, he and her household ate for many days. Simple obedience. Naaman in 2 Kings chapter 5. Naaman verse 17. Naaman said, don't we have better rebels in my country? Abana and Papha. Naaman. And the servant said, if please, the servant, uh, 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 no, 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 go to verse 14, please. Go, go to 14, verse 14. So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan according to the saying of the man of God. When the man of God told him first, he said, I won't do it. I won't do it. Ah, this man doesn't respect me. He didn't even come out of his house to come and say that, uh, what's your problem? General. Yeah. Is, you're talking about a general. Exactly. But you are leprous. So what, what do you want to use? Your leprous, your status as a leper, a leper or your status as a general? If you come as a general, I don't have answers for you because you are looking for answers to your leprosy. So come as a leper. That's right. And the man of God said, I don't need to see him because I'm not interested in seeing lep lepers and leprosy. So tell him he should go to River Jordan, specific. He said, go to River Jordan. He didn't say go anywhere. Some of you will go to, when they say go to River Jordan, you go to uh, River Thames. Yes, you go and fetch a lot of water from the Jordan, take it to your own house because you can afford it and create a special pool and dip in it. No, that's not River Jordan. He said, tell him to go to River Jordan and dip inside it seven times. And the guy was furious. He said, who does it take me to be? He looks at me and asks me, for heaven's sake. One, he didn't look at my face to talk to me. And two, he disrespects me to tell me to go and wash in this dirty river of Israel. We have better river in our country, well-treated, because we are first-class citizens, well-treated, and their rivers are called Abana and Papa. Papa. There is Abana and Papa, and you are talking about, about, about Jordan. What do you mean by Jordan? He said that, are not Abana and Papa, the rivers of Damascus, better than all waters of Israel. Ah, ah, how? Ah. How can this person tell me to do this? Ow! Oh, general. When he's coming, he comes with entourage. People following him. And when he needs something, doesn't want to sleep, just tell, tell the person like this, don't sleep. When he needs something, just that this. Then they, they bring it. They bring it. Oh, general. And this prophet didn't come to see me. And he tells me to go and wash in Jordan. Uh, is, uh, don't we have a banner and fapa? Fapa. And no, this is a general, so he was well exposed. 
He was well exposed. He has traveled well and intelligent, so he knew the terrain very well. And he's telling you that Israel, the rivers of the rivers of Israel are waters of very bad. Because they didn't have enough money to treat it well. And all this sickness infested uh, uh, Jordan. You want me to go and dip in it? And one of his servants says, Sir, the man didn't ask you anything strange. Simple instructions. He said, kneel down and lift up your hands. You are suffering from cancer. You say you are chief executive of Tesco, but you still have cancer. And I'm a prophet. I can pray for your cancer to grow. I said, lift up your hand. Lift, uh, kneel down and lift up. Me kneel down. Me kneel down. I said, can you lift up? Can you rise and shout hallelujah? Ah, me, I don't shout hallelujah. Okay, then keep the sickness. So uh, when people come to church, when there's one instru- instruction, they are so much full of themselves, but they know that they, they need help. It's when it comes to God and God's help, if you, God's house, you have to re- lower yourself, humble yourself, and open your heart to receive help. Simple instruction. Hey, there are times you may come for anointing and God can say, can you remove your wig so that we can put oil on your head? Hey, my wig, let me keep the sickness. His servant came near and spoke to him and he said, sir, my you see, they call him my father. My father, if, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean? May God send you people like that. Who speak simple common sense. Pastor prophesied. And when he was prophesying that, hey, someone's about to get married, he know that I just lost my boyfriend. And he was pointing my direction. I didn't like, ah, so take it. Take it as a word from God. (laughs) Anyway, let's go. I have to finish. Uh, Watch, watch, go to the next verse. So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan according to the saying of the man of God and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child and he was clean. Simple instruction. Compare the miracle.com. Simple. Simple instructions. Come to church. Lift up your hand. I can't do it. Join a department. I can't do it. Uh, let, let, let's, let's come early for praise and worship. I can't do it. We are fasting. I can't do it. Come early for prayer meeting in the morning. I can't do it. People are too big to comply with instruction, but they want authority. They want to reign. The prophetic ministry you do not receive, believe in, and obey cannot add value to your life. How to discover for a prophet? Because time. But Luke chapter 24, 22 verse 34. This is a very important one. Hey, sir. Every prophetic move, every prophetic move have two aspects of it. Two things happen. You don't need to miss this. Please, I'm finishing on this, but this is more crucial than most of what I've said. And I owe you the responsibility of telling this. Every prophetic move have two things. Now, then Simeon or Simon, however you want to, blessed them and said to marry his mother, talking about Jesus, carried the child and said, behold, this child is destined for what? And what? Of what? Do you see that? Every prophetic move, prophetic season, prophetic ministry 
is ordained for the fall and the rise of many. Anyone who mocks a prophetic word, anyone who mocks prophecy becomes a victim of prophecies. When God, um, Elijah said, tomorrow morning by this time, bread, there will be enough food at the gate. The minister of finance in 2 Kings chapter, chapter, um, chapter 7 verse 2, 2 Kings chapter 7 verse 2, then the officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, look, if, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And he said, in fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not perish. Look at verse 17. Look at verse 17. So, verse 17. Now, the king had appointed the officer on whose hand the king, that same person, he was appointed to be the distributor, making sure the food that has come <laughs> in charge of the gate. But the people trampled him in the gate and he died, just as the man of God has said and spoke when the king came down to him. When there was abundance, the people were into prosperity, enjoyment. There are some who became victims of the prophetic word. He said, this child is destined. Can I say this, church? This move of God, this prophetic move of God is destined for the rise and fall of many. It's that some of you here are going to be raised very high in society. Very high in ministry. Very great in ministry. And others, others too, I don't know. I can't predict their end. It is always like that when it comes to the prophetic move of God. This move is destined for the rise and fall of many. You have to choose. Where in Isaiah chapter 2, let me say the 28, verse 21 and 22. You need to see this. The mockers of prophecy. Anytime there's a prophecy, some people say, what is this? How can this is not serious. Please, it's better you, you are not in the environment where prophecy is going on or the prophetic move is going on and not mock it. You are not in the environment than to stay in the environment and mock it. Because when you mock it, he said, for the Lord will rise up as at Mount Perazim. He will be angry as in the valley of Gibeon, that he may do his work, his his awesome work, and go to the go to verse twenty, verse twenty. Let me see. I have to make sure I, I've gotten it for the best. All right. So it's, uh, give me give me King James. I prefer the King James. I me make sure that I got that scripture very well. The King James. Yeah, verse twenty one. It's verse twenty one, twenty two. For the Lord shall arise us in Mount Perazim. He shall be wrought us in the uh, the valley of. Gibeon, that he may do his work, his strange works, and bring to pass his act, his strange acts. Look at verse 22. Look at verse 22. Now therefore, be ye not mockers, lest your bands be, be made strong. See, God is about to move, but if you mock it, you'll be a victim. Be ye not mockers. Don't trivialize the move of God. Have on, have on this. <laughs> <laughs> we may send a team to come and pray for you at hospital. This time, you remember I told you guys some time ago, but I, pro- I didn't even know these things. The Papa was t- teaching these things and I realized that the enormity. I told you these things some time ago in Graceland yeah. that the, every prophetic move and revival comes with residues and victims. 
it comes with yeah. victims. It comes with victims. And some people who never would have been great suddenly because of the rabble, boom, they become something. Lifted high. The a prophetic ministry raises people and can cause the fall of many. Go and ask Pharaoh. Go ask Pharaoh. Pharaoh never recovered again because he mocked prophetic ministry, trivialized prophetic ministry. And God sent the prophet. I stand here by God's grace as a prophet, a New Testament prophet of this commission. And I prophesy over your life that you shall be raised. You shall not be a victim. Your lifting is coming. Your lifting has arrived in the mighty name of Jesus. I prophesy restoration in your life. I prophesy your rescue. I prophesy your healing into existence. I prophesy your prosperity. I prophesy your marriage. I prophesy your liberty. I prophesy your freedom. I prophesy your breakthrough. I prophesy your raise. I prophesy your raise. I prophesy your lifting. I prophesy your liberty. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You shall hear good news. You shall hear good news. You shall hear good news. In the name of Jesus. I prophesy sickness stays far from you. I rebuke the spirit of sickness. That comes through the food. That comes through food. I rebuke that spirit of sickness. Any sickness ahead of you. Any danger ahead of you. I pray your preservation. I prophesy your protection. I prophesy your marriage into me. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Your children are blessed. Your children will make it. Your children will not fail. You will not be a victim. You will fly high. You will fly high. Receive your testimony. In the name of Jesus. If you believe, you clap your hands and shout a living hallelujah. Rush to your feet and begin to speak in tongues. Begin to speak in tongues. Connect yourself. There's a prophetic atmosphere. There's a prophetic atmosphere. There's a prophetic atmosphere. Kande Kandas. Kande Kandas. Kande Kandas. Thank you for listening. For more resources, please visit caris.org or call us on 0207-740-9960. God bless you.